If you want my notes, you can text the notes to the number that comes on the screen. What is in front of me will be sent to you. How many ready for the word today? Matthew chapter 16, 21, it says, from the time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and be killed and on the third day be raised. Verse 22, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. You're reading this right. Peter is rebuking Jesus. Far be it from me, Lord, you shall, this shall never happen to you. But Jesus turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance, or the King James says, you are an offense unto me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. I came here to tell you this morning, the spirit of an offense is intimacy with the demonic. The title of this message is The Spirit of Offense. Let's pray. So Holy Spirit, we thank you. This is your church. This is your ground. This is holy ground. I thank you for the deep wells that have been dug here. And Lord, I pray right now that they would spill over into all Waco and to this region. Father, I thank you, God, right now for your word. I declare your word is true. Let every man be a liar. We declare right now, let it be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Holy Spirit, I ask you to breathe upon your Logos word. And I pray for revelation today, rhema today. I pray you would give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, minds to understand what your spirit is saying. We declare no spirit, but the Holy Spirit is welcome here. Spirit of fear, you must go. Spirit of offenses, you must go. Every demonic entanglement and lie, you must be exposed. I pray right now, we're not making room for you. We give you the entire tent. So Father, I thank you. Nobody came to hear me. We all came to hear you. So we say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And all God's people said, amen. And amen. This morning, I'm excited to preach on the spirit of offense. Pastor Les asked me to speak on this this morning, and uh, it is part of the part of the prophetic words that were released on Vision Sunday or, or Prophetic Words Sunday when we released the year of Reformation. At the end of the service, we released prophetic words over the house. And uh, it was a beautiful thing because God was speaking to me about this and speaking to Pastor Les and other campus pastors at the same time. I believe that this is a yes and amen prophetic warning and also an exciting opportunity. Now, remember when I say prophetic, you gotta be careful because weird people make prophetic weird. But I want you to know that some people are weird with or without the Holy Spirit. Have you ever been to Walmart before? Okay, so the Holy Spirit doesn't make people weird. People are weird on their own. So don't blame it on the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? So when I say prophetic, here's what I mean. I don't mean it's an absolute guarantee because if you come in here with your cheeks puckered, arms crossed, and you're like, oh, I don't mean to prove God's gonna move. I, I promise you, he won't move in your life because you've resisted him. And people in the flesh with Jesus resisted him. And they didn't receive him. And they went to hell when they had Jesus in the flesh. There was a rich young ruler that had Jesus right there in the flesh. And he's like, hey, bro, you're greedy. Go sell everything you have. He's like, no, I prefer my money. And rejected Jesus in the flesh. Matthew chapter 6, many disciples fell away. So you can reject Jesus. Guess what? It doesn't matter how good of a leader Pastor Les is. He's not a fraction of what Jesus was, and Jesus lost disciples. Why? Because people resist God. So people will resist God. It's called foolishness, but it happens on a regular basis. 
So you can resist prophetic words and you can be foolish. That's fine. Or you can partner with prophetic words, which is partnering with the perfect will of God. So here's what you're saying. It's not a weird voodoo. It's not a, it's not a demonic spiritualism. It's not new age. What you're saying is, Lord, what are my pastors and leaders who pray for me and shepherd my soul? What are they saying over this house in my family that you want me to partner with? That's what you're saying. And let me just try to just pastor you for a moment. If you don't trust your pastors as spiritual leaders, I wouldn't be at that church. It blows my mind, my mind. How many people are like, what government? Okay, we'll six feet de- uh, d- uh, distance ourselves. What government? We'll take an experimental gene-changing drug. What, what, uh, what uh, uh, government? We'll stand in line and let them put things up our noses for hours and just, I'll, I'll get 16 boosters. Whatever the government tells me to do. But your pastor says fast, like, oh, I don't know about that. I don't know if fasting's for me. No, no, no. Like, it's kind of funny. At the same time, it's kind of like, uh, huh. Why do I blindly follow wicked leaders, but I resist spiritual leaders that have healthy, godly fruit in results of their walk with God for decades? So, so I, what, I'm trying to help you see past flesh things versus spirit things. Are you with me? So one of the prophetic words of the year was that offenses would break off your life. And I heard this so loud in my spirit and never come back. They would come. I heard my spirit once and for all. Someone say once and for all. So this morning, you have an opportunity to spiritually grow. Tell your neighbor, say you're going to grow today. Tell your second choice, say you too. What is an offense? Offense in the Greek is the word scandalon, where we get our English word scandal from. It is a trick, it is a trap, it is a snare, a stumbling block of error, an occasion to fall, a snare with live bait. It is a cause to sin or it causes people to fall in sin. An offense comes from the word scandalon or scandal or where we get a slang word, scam. An offense is a scam. Have you ever been scammed before? Oh, I don't like being scammed before. There's a, 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 a precious senior citizen that went to our church for a while, and uh, she texted me and, and, and said, Pastor, would you, would you just call me? I'm really confused about what you're asking me to do. And I texted her back. I said, I'm confused what you're confused about because I didn't ask you to do anything. And she said, oh, no, Pastor, would you call me? And she spent the entire weekend talking to somebody online that she thought was me because it had my picture and my name on it and was running around to Target getting $500 gift cards, taking pictures of them and sending it to some scammers in Pakistan. And it was $2,000 worth of gift cards that she thought she was sending to her pastor. Someone say scam. How gross does it feel to be scammed out of money, to be scammed out of time? How much worse when your soul is scammed? An offense is when you are scammed from your soul. An offense is truly a sin. 
And what is the sin of being offended? It's unforgiveness. It blows my mind how many people claim Christianity and then say foolish statements like, I can never forgive them for that. An offense is the spirit that takes residency when forgiveness is not applied. I'm going to say that again. Offense is the demonic spirit that you give residency to when forgiveness is not applied. How many had guests for holidays come and stay with you? Let me see your hands. How many had guests? Okay, a few people. How many had joy when your guests left? How many would not have joy if your guests were still here, okay, three weeks later? Now watch, okay? So, so, so th there, there's this time where you get ready for people to come and they stay. And then even people that you love, there comes to a time where it's, it's time for you to go. And we love you. And we will see you at a future holiday or family get together. But, 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 but you, you can't live here anymore. Now, some people have allowed demons to come and stay in their house, and they have stayed for years, and you've never told them it's time to go. And the demon is called an offense. Matthew 6.15 says, but if you do not forgive others of their trespasses, neither does your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Would you please leave this up and look at this? Just look at the word of God. I want Christian Christ followers to spiritually grow and look at scripture. Scripture says, if you do not forgive, your father doesn't forgive you. I do not see options in this. I don't see gray areas in this. Part of the mercy culture culture is we say forgiveness is not optional. Do you know why? Because we believe Matthew 6, 15 is the word of God. And we want you to grow. We want God to forgive you. And here's the thing, but, but in our minds, when the spirit of offense comes in, all of a sudden, how great other people's sins become so prevalent in our mind and how little ours are. We forget about what God has done in our life. We forget how much he has forgiven us, the mercy, the grace that he's shown us, and we stop showing it to others. What would cause someone to reject what God has done for you to hold on to the little things that, God, that other people have done to us? A demonic spirit. This is part of the Mercy Culture Daily Encounter. When you go through Connect and your, your, your personal uh, discipleship plan, is there's a prayer guide for to you to do every day. Every single day, I pray and ask the Lord to forgive me and I search my heart for who I need to forgive. Every day. There's one individual that hurt me really bad and it took seven years of daily forgiving. Seven years of me forgiving every day. This is, this is me, pastor. I'm a decade into being a pastor. And every day, take, go to the Lord. Yep, it's still there. And what I mean, you ever feel like a little pain or, or callous or something or where, where you injured yourself and, and, it, and it's not totally painful, but you kind of still feel it. That, that's what my heart felt like with this individual that, that greatly sinned against me. And, and so every day for seven years, I'd bring it to him. And one day I'm, I'm in my daily encounter. It's early in the morning. I'm on the trail running. I'm praying and I go in and reach in. Like the only way I could describe it is like if I had like a hipster fanny pack where I'm just reaching in to go grab the forgiveness or like you're reaching for your wallet or your phone. And, and I go to grab that, that person and, and it's, I don't feel it. And nothing happened. No one laid hands on me. I wasn't in a revival service. It was just daily, Lord, this has hurt my feelings. This has hurt my heart. I Help me to forgive. I forgive them. Teach me how to forgive. And then one day it was gone. 
But the immature Christian will say, hey, one time, one place, at one location, I forgive this person, so I've already forgiven them. And then you think you've done your Christian duty, but you still hate in your heart. The spirit of offense still has residency. So really what, you, you said the words forgiveness, but you didn't do it. I like it when the disciples came to Jesus and said, okay, how many times do we have to forgive each other? Up to seven times a day? Jesus said 70 times seven. A degree that is so ridiculous, it would almost be like you'd have to forget every time they did something. He said, that's the degree that we are required to forgive. Church, you need to hear this. If you're having a hard time forgiving, it means there's a good chance the spirit of offense has a residency in your life. I'm gonna give you 10 signs you may be offended. You ready? 10 signs you may be offended. You can't be honest about being hurt. You have to pretend you're not hurt. Oh, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm over it. Who are you lying to? You run out of grocery stores when you see them. You cringe when you see their posts. There's a good sign you have to pretend you're not hurt. If you have to do that, you're probably offended. Number two, you're constantly a victim. It's always everyone else's fault. Number three, you think all church or pastoral correction is abuse. Part of the weak state of the church today is pastors being cowards in the pulpit or abandoning God's word. And the second is the people soft and afraid that they cannot take any correction. I had this lady yesterday on social media tell me I was a hateful, wicked bigot. And um, I, I, I said, can you please tell me what I said that was hateful and wicked? And she said, everything that you said. I said, I, I, I know you said everything, but would you just tell me exactly what I said that was hateful and bigoted? And she said, you people just try to push your agenda. I said, so for the third time, I've asked you to say exactly what I said, but really I just quoted scripture and you hate hearing scripture. So you call it hate speech because you hate hearing God's word. And then she began to mock scripture. So, so yeah, we got it. It's hateful to you because it defies what you love most, your perversion. But if I would have said gay marriage is okay, if I would have said if two people love each other, just do whatever you want to do, then you would have celebrated me if I would have abandoned God's word. We've seen this over and over and over. So when people get corrected in church, instead of growing and being corrected when, when, it, it, by a pastor or a loving leader that wants to help you grow, people partner with the spirit of offense, go to another church, unroot themselves, and then stop growing. Imagine if you did that with your fruit trees in your yard. Imagine if you did that. And, and, and every other year, you picked them up from the front yard and you moved them to the side yard and then you got offended with the side yard and moved them to the backyard. How fruitful would that tree be? How fruitful is your life when you run from church to church and ministry to ministry every time the pastor says something that you get offended with? And, 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 and now, now it's one thing if, if your pastor's preaching heresy, you should not be in any kind of church that does that ever. But just because it challenges your flesh... 
So if tithing challenges your flesh or forgiveness challenges your flesh or praying in the Holy Ghost, which is biblical, the apostle Paul who wrote two thirds of the New Testament said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all or whatever it is in your theological stance that causes you to be so quickly offended, it is gonna cause a, 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 a hesitancy or a limitation on your spiritual growth. Number three or number four, you have said or thought, I cannot forgive them for that. Number five, when you're instantly upset, when you see someone you have had conflict with, you may be offended. Number six, you can't celebrate when good things happen to certain people or you rejoice in others' failings. Number seven, offended people don't have joy. Number eight, offended people resist accountability. Your favorite thing to post on social media is don't judge me. Number nine, you pull away and isolate from community. Or number 10, you haven't been able to find a church in 20 years. These are all signs that you have had a residency of offense in your life. Some of you may be offended right now. That's good. We're exposing it. This morning, I'm going to give you five things that you need to know about the spirit of offense. Because the spirit of offense knows you very well. I want you to know the spirit of offense better. Number one, offenses are a sign of spiritual immaturity. One of, one of my greatest frustrations in the body of Christ is the spiritual immaturity. And it has to do with the malnutrition of the saints. Because so many Christians go to church, they, they, they say the dedicated Christians, I mean, not here, it's 35 degrees in a tent, this is awesome. But they say the dedicated Christians go to church once every five weeks. Once every five weeks, the dedicated ones. And then most Christians do not feed themselves. They want to be spoon-fed. So you have people coming to church every once in five weeks drinking milk, not meat, and then you wonder why they're malnutritioned. You wonder why they don't grow because they haven't fed themselves. It is a glaring sign if you're constantly offended that you struggle with spiritual maturity because offenses come and partner with the spiritually immature. I'm gonna show you Mark chapter four, verse 16. It says, and likewise, there are some sown on stony ground. When they have heard the word, immediately they receive it in gladness, verse 17, and have no root in themselves and do not endure for a time. Afterwards, when afflictions or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Jesus is talking about the three soils and he's talking about the most immature soil is the stony ground. And what does he say about the stony ground? They are quickly offended. The spiritual immature are quickly offended. It is a sign of spiritual immaturity. And I don't want you to hear that condescendingly. I don't want you to hear me talking down on you. I want to expose it. Yes. So you could say, huh, I, 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 every time there's a, a, a media narrative that comes out that's the same way every year during election times, I get offended. I, I want you to be aware we're coming into election season. Get ready for your offenses to be heightened. 
Every time there's a police situation, every time there's a, a, a national, every time abortion gets erased, what is it? What is the subject that quickly causes you to abandon God's word and partner with an offense? It's a sign of spiritually immature. That word stony, rocky, means this, you have no depth. Where there's a stony soil, the soil doesn't have depth. Where there's an offended heart, they have no spiritual depth. Matthew 24, 10 says this, and they shall many be offended and they shall betray one another and hate one another. It's a sign of spiritual immaturity. I quoted this earlier. John 6, 60 says this. Many of his disciples, Jesus' disciples said, this is a very hard teaching. It's hard to understand. It's hard to accept it. Verse 61, Jesus was aware his disciples were complaining. The disciples are complaining about Jesus. And he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the son of man ascending to heaven again? The spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And for my words, uh, very words I have spoken to you are spirit and in life. But some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe and he knew which one would betray him. Verse 65. Then he said, this is why I said that people can't come to me unless the father gives them to me. Look at verse 66. At this point, many of his disciples turned away away and deserted him. Verse 67, Jesus turned to his 12 and said, are you going to leave too? Put it back up. John 6, 66. Look at this. John 6, 66. It says, many were offended and left. Notice the heading 666. I'll show you why in a moment, but this is Jesus in the flesh teaching on communion. They can't handle the teaching and many are left. This is wild, guys. People talk about Jesus' 12 disciples. He had 12, but there was many disciples that fell and many that fell away. Why? Because they were offended. Church, one of the greatest fall away, falling away of the faith is when the spirit of offense is stronger in your life than your relationship with the Lord. And this is why people deconstruct. And deconstruct is just like putting lipstick on a pig. It's just a cute word for rebellion. And this is why a generation of offended young adults have fallen away and deconstructed from the faith because they've partnered with the demon called offense. Okay, number two, offenses thrive when you don't love like Jesus. Let me ask you this question. How many wanna love like God loves? How many would want to be known for loving like him? It is impossible. Hear my words. I'm here to this today. It is impossible to love like Jesus when you're offended. This, this, let me just, I want to pass for you today. You can't love your wife like Jesus. You can't love your children. You can't love those in the body of Christ with you. You cannot love like Jesus when you have partnered with the demonic spirit of offense. Matthew 24, 12 says this, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall grow cold. What does it happen when you grow cold? You become lukewarm. What causes so many Christians to be lukewarm? They're offended. 
Revelations 3.16, because you are lukewarm, you're neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. What happens when you spit? It's the opposite of a kiss. It's a rejection of intimacy. When you kiss someone, you pull someone into intimacy. When you spit, you reject intimacy. When you are offended, you are spitting in the face of Jesus. You are rejecting intimacy with Jesus when you partner with the spirit of offense. And this is why some people actually become offended with God. Because there's no bounds to where the offense will spread if you allow it to keep residency in your life. So why do people get offended with God? They get offended with God when they think their sacrifice for God outweighs God's sacrifice for you. So let me get this straight. You served for 10 months and now you didn't get enough recognition. And so you're offended when he died on the cross for you. You got offended because the church taught on tithing. And the truth is, is you're greedy and you'd rather serve mammon and money than honor God with your finances. But you got offended and now you get, you get upset because you think that your sacrifice of that $100 that you tipped is greater than God's sacrifice. It's quiet in this tent. Do you see how this works? The offense causes you to begin to think that what you do for God is greater than what he did for you. And then it changes the way you think and you lead based on that offense. Number three, offenses accelerate deception. So they, they, they say that senior citizens who aren't computer savvy are great targets of these scammers. And so... They haven't seen this, this form of stuff. And so they'll target certain people that they think are more vulnerable to scams. And the same way the enemy focuses or targets offended people because they are the most susceptible to other demonic deceptions. Offenses open you up to demonic lies of the enemy. You are prime target for deception. Matthew 24, 11 says this, and many false prophets will arise and shall deceive many. Those that are offended are the ones that get deceived. False prophets make their way on the scene through this spirit of offense and their target is the offended people. Number four, Offenses are a demonic trap. I gave you the definition in the Greek, a snare, a trap, a stumbling block, cause for error or falling, an occasion to fall or snare with live bait. Literally, the Bible uses this picture. And, and if you study Greek and Hebrew, it's, it's not like a one meeting word. One rabbi said, reading the Bible in English is like kissing a woman through a veil or, read, or looking at a painting in black and white. You miss out on so much depth. The Hebrew and Greek language has such a, 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 a great uh, depth of words and understanding compared to our English language. So when we say in English offense, we think of like hurt feelings or you're upset with somebody. In the Greek, it says, no, no, no. There's, there's a trap with live bait 
that's waiting for something to come and fall into. And guess who is the live bait in the trap? It's you. A stumbling block where you actually cannot make it to your destiny, make it into your promise, or make it into the place that God has for you if you fall into this offense. Imagine a bear trap that, that, that snaps on someone's leg and they cannot continue the journey. Ah, I'm reminded it's not even in my notes, but you see this with Abraham. A lot of people don't know this, but before God called Abram to the promised land, he called his father. And his father made it halfway on the journey, but his son died. And he could not get over the loss of his son, got offended with God, and never made it any place further because he could not make it to the promised land because of an undealt with offense in his heart. He could not get over the pain and the disappointment. And so he did not reach the promise. So then Abraham had to do it. Guys, these offenses are a demonic trap. I'm going to show you in the word of God. Proverbs 6, 16 says, these six things the Lord hates. This is important. You understand this for growing believers. So our loving God hates things. What does the loving God hate? We're gonna talk more about abominations later this year. It says this, there are seven abominations unto him. A proud look, pride, lying tongues, hands that shed innocent blood, abortion, a heart that devised wicked schemes, feet that run into mischief, a false witness that speaks lies. And look at this, uh, he that sows discord amongst the brethren. Now, an abomination means this, an enheightened sin. Abominations are not the greatest sin. The greatest sin is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. It's a life of fully rejecting the Holy Spirit is the greatest sin. Abominations are a heightened sin. So when the Bible speaks about abominations, we should be listening because we know that God hates these things. These things do not please the Lord. We're called as reformers to make the crooked way straight in these areas. So, but he, he gives us an insight with these things. He says that God hates, it's an abomination, someone that sows discord amongst the brothers. Another word for that is gossip, which is wild. I know there's kids in the room, so I'll say it like this. People love to quote abominations when they're talking about marital preferences. You follow me? But they don't quote many abominations when they talk about Christian gossips. When they're all mentioned as in heightened sense. So here's what the Bible says. Proverbs 6, put it back up, please. He hates those that sow discord amongst the brethren. What is discord? Discord is when you remove a strand of cord of unity. So Bible says one puts a thousand a flight. Help me teach today. Two puts in a three-chord strand. Few people read their Bible. Wonderful. Okay. A three-chord stand's not easily broken. The Bible says that, uh, that unity commands a blessing. Over and over, all throughout God's, God's word, he talks about the power of unity. So there's a three-chord strand, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's a three-chord strand in your marriage, you, your spouse, the Holy Spirit. Th th this three-chord strand is powerful. So here's the thing, watch. If you have a three-chord strand, three-chord strand has an anointing to hold a certain amount of weight or force. Are you following me? 
One puts a thousand, two puts ten thousand, three chord strands not easily broken. If you take discord and you break a strand, the three chord strand now could only hold two chord strand weight. So now you're trying to accomplish the assignment on your life, but you only have two chord strand weight because you have discord in your life. Oh, 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 you got to be careful because people come in with that spirit of offense and they try to sow discord. You have friends that are not saved trying to sow discord. Why are you giving that church your money? Why are you spending all that time in that church? Why are you submitting, submitting to a white preacher? Why are you going to a white, white person's church? Why are you doing that? Come on, this, this is what it sounds like. Okay, why, why, why are you going to that spirit-filled church? Are you going to the lunatic church? Or oh, the church of the tent? You're going to the COVID church? Well, I don't know what they're saying, okay? They're saying stuff. But here's what they're trying to do is they're trying to sow seeds of discord. And if you watch this, this is what the Pharisees did with Jesus and his disciples. When they had an issue with Jesus, who'd they go to? They went to his disciples. And then when they had a problem with the disciples, who'd they go to? They went to Jesus. And they're always trying to find discord in the body. Because the enemy knows if the church has discord, it won't have the strength to finish a building. It won't have the strength to take a city. It won't have a, a strength to see reformation. So the enemy is strategically sowing discord. And let me show you why this is so stinking evil. Because when discord is sown, you're always blind to when unity is resolved. So give you an example. I come in and I, I tell Pastor Les, man, Pastor Jordan, I don't know what it is. I just discern something. I can feel it. Every time he looks at me, it's in the eyes. But really, I said hi to Pastor Jordan and he didn't hear me because he had an earbud in, and I didn't realize he had an earbud in, so I said hi, and he didn't say hi back, and because I'm spiritually immature, and I've let a spirit of offense make residency in my life, I decide that, that Pastor Jordan is a bad guy, and how did he become a pastor, and is he qualified, and, and, and I don't really like how he leads, and, 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 and when he spoke in tongues, he told us only half of the room was, and I felt like he was judging me, and, and, and how am I going to have a pastor that judges me, and so I go to Pastor Les, and I was like, you know, I just, I just feel like he's got a bad spirit. I just feel like he's just really harming the church. The real reason why we're not in the building is because Pastor Jordan is here. And then you have a breakthrough at an altar. You're laying down. Some child hits you in the head with a flag. God touches you. You're like, oh my gosh, Pastor Landon spoke on offenses. I'm in sin. You go to Pastor Jordan. You're like, I'm so sorry. I've been holding this against you. And, and, and that one time that you purposely didn't listen to me, he's like, I didn't listen to you. I didn't even hear you. I didn't hear about it. And you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I love you. You're the best. And then you go on. And you forgot about all of the seeds. So now Pastor Les is praying about, hey, who's supposed to run this ministry? I don't know if I can trust Jordan. But you never went back to Pastor Lassie like, hey, I'm spiritually immature. And I partnered with a demonic. And I committed abominations. And I just want to re repent and spiritually grow. So, so, so watch, even though Pastor Jordan and I are cool. 
there's now discord between Pastor Les and Pastor Jordan because of what you sowed. And we have people all over the body of Christ sowing these seeds of discord in the lives and in the hearts of our brothers and sisters in Christ because we are not aware of the demonic, the demonic strategies of the spirit of offense. Let me give you some practical advice. Repent to people you may have led into the trap of an offense. Write their names down, call them. Those are wonderful, lean in, my bad. <laughs> Just tell them, Pastor Landon told me to call you. I wanna spiritually grow and this is awkward, but this is what happened and I need you to know. Bro, you wanna talk about exposing the enemy? You wanna talk about taking territory when you start exposing the spirit of offense? Okay, number five is the offenses prepare the way for the Antichrist. The spirit of an offense is the landing pad for the actual Antichrist. And if you, let me, let me just help you. We are being conditioned right now. I had tons of people ask me all the time, was, was the vax the, the mark of the beast? Like, no. You won't be able to buy, sell, or trade. That's, that's what it will be. But 100%, it was the conditioning of it. You lose your job. You, get, you, you have to leave California. You're, you're ostracized from society. You're publicly shamed and humiliated. Oh, it was the conditioning. It was the preparing. And how easy and quick did the whole church be like, okay, we'll shut down. Okay, we won't worship. Whatever the government tells us to do. Esther said, I'm gonna go break the law and if I perish, I perish. But the church during COVID said, I just wanna love my neighbor. So I'm gonna stop worshiping God. I'm gonna stop helping people. I'm gonna stop loving my neighbor by just locking myself in the house. Woo, we gotta learn from this one, church. I had to learn from this one. The spirit of an offense will spread like a plague and then it will make its way to prepare for the antichrist himself. Matthew 24, 10, this is important. I've read this a few times. This is Jesus speaking about the end days. In the end days, he said, many will be offended and the love for one another will grow cold. Listen, so many times when we're talking about the end of days, what do you talk about? Earthquakes. What do you talk about? Tsunamis. What do you talk about? Global wars. These are the things. And you know, if these things are happening, oh, we're getting close. We're getting close. It's the end days. China, the red dragon, this is happening. That happened in Russia and the bear and the eagle. And you're watching your YouTube prophecies. You're like, it's good. And there's a heifer coming. <laughs> you know what the greatest sign is of the end days? Many are offended. This is demonic. So you're offended, so you vote for someone that has no frame of reference for any biblical policy, but you're offended, so you'll just vote for someone out of offense. This stuff matters. It matters. And the church is so blind because we're offended. Matthew 24, 12 says this, and because of iniquity, 
That word iniquity means lawlessness. Shall abound, the love of many will grow grow cold. Church, offenses produce lawlessness. Do you see what's happening in Chicago? Do you see what's happening in these other cities? Do you see when there is no law, when there is lawlessness that abounds, uncontrolled lawlessness, it prepares the way for the lawless one. Who is the lawless one, the Antichrist? Your partnering with the spirit of offense in your home ushers in the Antichrist. I know that's a heavy statement, but we're singing right now, prepare the way of the Lord because reformers prepare the way of the Lord while those who are offended prepare the way for the Antichrist. You are in a season right now where you could either choose to partner with the word of reformation and make the crooked way straight and prepare the way of the Lord or prepare the way for the Antichrist, but you cannot do both. I'm gonna close. If I could have uh, just the piano come and play with me at this time. We're going back to Matthew chapter 16. I want you to fully grasp Matthew 16 and then we're gonna close. Thanks for serving today. I want you to fully grasp this. Jesus, who is God, is with his disciples. He's telling the disciples about his master plan. And he says to his disciples, I'm gonna die and then I'm gonna rise from the dead. And Peter, who wants Jesus to overthrow the Roman government, says, no, Lord, that's not the plan. You can't die. I have an agenda for you. Jesus, I have a plan for you. And here's what he says. No, Lord, it shall never happen to you. Watch, Peter, Jesus stops. He looks in Peter's eyeballs and says, get behind me, Satan. Now, let me just stop and just pastor you for a second and burst the weak bubble that you serve this soft, pathetic God. And we've become so soft in church that you can't talk about sin You can't talk about real theological issues. You can't talk about cultural issues, because why? They're afraid they're gonna leave. So if you say something about politics, people might leave, okay? There's the door. I don't wanna go to a political church, neither do I. I wanna go to a church that fights for heaven's justice. He looks Peter in the eye. What does he call him? Satan. Imagine just for a second, try to do your best on this, it's hard to do. Imagine Jesus with eyes of fire looking at you and saying, hey, Satan. What did he say? Get behind me. Why did he tell Satan to get behind him? Why did he tell Peter to get behind him? Because Peter was offended and he was, became the live bait. And Jesus knew if I partner with your offense, Peter, watch, I will fall into the scandalon. I will fall into the scam. Watch, where was Peter, where was Jesus going? The cross. He said, I can't get to the cross if I fall into your trap. 
I can't get to the cross if I fall into your offense. I feel the Holy Ghost. I can't get to my purpose if I partner with your offense. You know what's wild to me? This blows my mind. Jesus said, you know what? Roman soldiers, you can slap me. Judas, you can betray me. I will wash your feet. I will let you strike me in the face. I will turn the other side. You can take a crown of thorns and put it in my head. You can lash me 39 times to expose the bones in my back. I will carry my own cross. I will choose to be suspended between heaven and earth. I will lay down my life. Jesus said, I will tolerate all of that abuse. But I will not tolerate an offense. Oh. Church, turn the other cheek. Church, go the extra mile. But do not tolerate that foul spirit of an offense. Jesus did not tolerate it. And he's asking us to not tolerate it. And I'm pleading with you as one of your pastors. You could be intimate with the Holy Spirit. Or you could be intimate with the demonic. But you cannot be intimate with both. I'm asking you to bow your heads and close your eyes right now. I don't want you to think about any other soul but your own. Don't think about your spouse. Don't think about your friends. Don't think about people you go to, used to go to church with. Just you. And here's my question I'm asking you. Have you partnered with the spirit of offense? Have you partnered with it? Have you reached into your heart to forgive who's there? What's there? identified it ask the Lord to forgive you just quietly you can do it out whisper it say it out loud you can do it in your head doesn't matter but I'm asking you to repent right now just tell the Lord I'm sorry I fell into the trap Holy Spirit get us out of this trap your eyes closed one more question I want you to ask have you led anyone into an offense have you sown seeds of discord that doesn't mean you're a bad person it means that you have been deceived huh just with your eyes closed do you know the enemy sowed so many seeds of discord between Pastor Les and I for years there's about a four-year period we didn't talk to each other because of the seeds of discord. And both of us had to do repent and expose it. And now one of the best friends of my entire life I got to do ministry with because we exposed the enemy's plan. Right now, if there's anyone that God lays on your heart, I'm going to challenge you before the week goes by, repent to them. Expose it. Doesn't matter how, text, a call, an email. Huh. I remember one time I was in India. I'm writing my book on Jezebel. And the Lord spoke to me and told me to repent to someone that I'd sinned against five years prior. I sent him an email. 
and I said, I'm wrong, it's 100% on me, I repent. When I landed in Detroit coming back from India, I got an email and it said, if I died tonight, I could die at peace, I've heard from my friend. I'm telling you, I've been in ministry and God has used me to sow seeds of, our enemy has used me to sow seeds of discord. Surely he will use anyone he can. I wanna challenge you, expose it. Do not give the enemy a foothold. Do we all have communion? Let's close with communion this morning. It was not in my notes. I don't know if you guys can do this. But can you put Isaiah 58, 11 in Psalms 119, 165? Psalms 119, 165 first. Psalms 119, 165. If it's possible to get that up on the screen, I want you to see it. You could open in your Bible too, Psalms 119, 165. This should have been in the message. It's a powerful scripture. Here's what it says. It says, great peace who love thy law, the word of God, and nothing shall offend thee. If you'd read the King James, that's fine, you can leave that up. King James would say, nothing shall offend thee. I wanna pray this as we take communion. Can we do that? Lord, I pray right now. I pray great peace in our hearts. Jesus, we make you Lord. We break ties with the Democratic Party, a Republican Party, any allegiance to any other party. I'm doing this personally, not on your behalf. I'm saying, Lord, you are the king. And to your kingdom, there is no end. Lord, I pray right now, I partner with the prophetic word offenses would break off. I declare they would break off and never come back. I pray we would see them from a long way off. Lord, I pray for a miracle as we take communion that we would be delivered from offenses. We pray this now. Let's take the bread. lift this cup above our head. We do this at Mercy Culture. The children of Israel put the blood above the doorpost and they said the blood is the highest authority. So we say right now, Jesus, your blood is the highest authority. It's the highest authority. We plead the blood of Jesus. Heal us, forgive us, cleanse us, deliver us from any spirit but the Holy Spirit. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Let's take the cup. I have a prophetic word and then we're going to pray. We're in worship and uh, I heard the Lord say, the well has been dug deep enough. And obviously we're a year behind getting in that building. We're going to pray in a second and it has been a demonic fight. Um, and we don't say this to be disrespectful towards any other person or ministry, 
but there's been multiple, I, I don't know if the report was three or four different churches that tried to remodel that. We bought that from a foreclosed situation. An investor bought it from a church that foreclosed uh, and in their remodeling process, there was moral and, and uh, ethical failings. There's been multiple ministries that have tried to build on this property and there's been demonic resistance. We have had witches do seances on our property and sacrifice animals on this property. There has been warfare for this moment. And when we were in worship, I had a vision of a well being dug and water bubbling out of it. And I heard the Lord say, the well has been dug deep enough in this tent. And then Isaiah 58, 11, I don't know if you have that. I'll read out the ESV. It says this, and the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. You shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost. What I felt in my spirit was the wells were dug deep enough in this season that the water will not run dry when you get into that new building. And I saw the waters going out from the building into Waco and into the region. Lord, I thank you for this spring. I thank you for this well that will not run dry. I declare it's a well. I, I saw it so clearly. It's a well of the word and it's a well of the spirit. And it shall produce life. In Jesus' name. Okay, we're gonna end the service like this. We're gonna pray over the building. But I felt the Lord tell me to have all the kids come pray. So if you're a child, come up here. All the kids, all the kids, all the kids, all the kids, all the kids. Where's Porter? Porter's got powerful prayers. This is not a cute children's church moment. We're not doing this for any kind of show. In worship, I felt like we were supposed to close by praying over the, uh, over the, the, the building. Um, we had the entire Fort Worth campus do this, grab hands, pray and intercede for your building last week. I'm fasting for this building. So, so th this, this is not a child game. We're not, I'm not, I, I'm not, this isn't a cute moment for our Instagram. What, what this is, is in worship, I, I had a vision, a daydream of a, our kids praying over that building, that that building opened up. We've had, be careful with my words, challenges. And we need, we need miracles. We need miracles. So would you stand and would you just grab hands with somebody and let's get in unity. Oof, I just felt like that was so powerful. I know it sounds simple, but a three chord strand is not easily broken. So I'm just gonna ask different kids to pray and we're gonna pray that that building opens up. We're gonna pray that that, that building opens up. God opens up that building for Mercy Culture Church. So we're gonna pray. Would you pray for that building, Porter, to be opened up? Pray for that building. Jesus, thank you for a day. Thank you to keep us safe for Jesus, my name. Could you let that building open up, please, Jesus? 
He said, would you open it up? He said, would you let it be free? And would you put power in it? In Jesus' mighty name. Anyone else want to pray over the building? Any other kids want to pray? Jesus, I pray that that you can open the building up and that there's no more electrical problems and all the packagings, packages and everything that needs to come in comes in quickly. And then we can open the building so we can go in there and we can just worship you even more than the... And then we can end here. Do you If you got a prayer language, use it while they pray. Would you pray over the building? Would you pray the building opens up? Lord, I pray for the buildings that it would open up and that we'd have no problems in the building and that we would um, be able to worship and serve you, Lord, inside that house. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. You want to pray over the building? Jesus, we thank you that the building doesn't have tornadoes in it. So, so we declare that it it doesn't uh it doesn't uh have nothing that that's what's wrong with electricity in Jesus in Jesus mighty name amen Lord, I pray the spiritual swirls that have been over that building of distractions and problems go. So we say the building has no tornadoes, no spiritual tornadoes, no demonic attacks. I pray an open heaven over that building. Lord, I pray right now just an easy, easy work for the contractors, the inspections, every single part of it. We say tornadoes go. We say every distracting spirit go. Every every wind that's not the Holy Spirit go. And we pray for it to open up in Jesus' mighty name. Someone just shout, open up in Jesus' name. Come on, every single person, lift your hands high. Lord, we partner with your prophetic word. The year of reformation. We declare this year, we will decrease. You will increase. Lord, I thank you. Offenses are breaking off and they're never coming back. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your house. We love you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen and amen.